This is the Frog for Life podcast. I'm your host, Rob Berline. When I talk about TCU, here's what I say that the privilege of being there did for me that nothing other school I'd ever been to was able to do. When I got there as an undergraduate, and there were 9 to 12 students at that time in your, in your areas of major, and you could spend time with a professor and actually do research as an undergraduate and present papers at natural conventions that normally couldn't be done until you were a graduate student, that was invaluable to me. That is the voice of Ron Diamond, who graduated from TCU with a degree in psychology and sociology in 1987. Ron has made a name for himself on a national stage, performing as an entertainer over 19,000 shows spanning 38 years. And we are so excited to be joined by Ron Diamond. He is a professional entertainer, and right now he is taking his talents on the road. Ron, thank you so much, so much for joining us today. Absolute pleasure. And where are we uh, having the pleasure to speak to you from today? Well, right now I'm just south of Cincinnati in northern Kentucky. Okay. And where are you on the, on the way to right now? Well, actually, I'm on the way to my warehouse to load my rig up to get ready to head to Florida to where I'll start doing my uh, uh, 2019 tour starting in a couple of weeks. All right. Well, we're excited to, to learn more about that in a second, but I want to first go into a little bit of your history before you became a professional entertainer. Um, and you had a very interesting life prior to coming to TCU. You were a, a dancer, I believe I saw for Disney, so... What kind of what was your life before TCU, and what led you to become a student at TCU? Well, it's a really interesting story in the sense that uh, uh, I was trained as a classical dancer, went to work with Disney, and uh, became a choreographer. Uh, was very severely injured and had to leave because I didn't want to be an administrator only. So when I went back to school. I was actually at Florida Southern College in Lakeland, Florida, where I met my wife. And my wife has uh, been active in ministry her whole life. And we literally discovered the Disciples, which is the denomination that TCU is affiliated with, by visiting some friends in Fort Worth. And TCU had an advertisement. My wife back then on a regular typewriter could type about 165 words a minute. So they hired her on the spot. And that's how. And part of the package was you got a tuition scholarship if you were working at TCU. Once you decided to join TCU and you're a student here, what was your what was your student experience like? What kind of activities did you get involved in? Well, my wife and I were brought in. We actually had to when in our second year of college uh, in in Florida, we uh, we ran into some hardships that made it to we couldn't go back to school for a while. So we we were laid out for about six years. So we actually were more prepared for TCU because we were in our mid to late twenties by then and more ready to do the hard work. And my wife uh, literally discovered how women in ministry could be uh, in and at TCU. So. Not only did we stay there for our undergraduate, she got her master's there too at Bright Divinity. So we've been we were there in Fort Worth as dorm parents for many years before we ever left. Oh wow. And I know you were a double major in psychology and sociology. So what was the interest in uh, choosing those two types of different kinds of degrees? Well, the because of my work now, which is literally 
I uh, became a surgical hypnotherapist, and I also got interested because of my work as a magician, which is what my real career was on path to be at that time. Uh, I, there's a ton of psychology involved in both aspects of both hypnosis and magic, so I decided to go the, uh, the that route because it both uh, psychology for dealing with single people and with sociology dealing with groups, which from a, a entertainment standpoint, uh, really helped me a lot. So you went, while you were a student at TCU, you went with the knowledge of basically wanting to become more certified at becoming better as a magician. Is that correct? Yeah, well, actually, the neat thing about the uh, about that area was that there used to be a place on Camp Bowie Boulevard called uh, uh, Crystal's Pizza and Spaghetti. It was an institution back in the day. And uh, and I literally cut my teeth while at TCU. I started out working in a funeral home, but soon quit because this place allowed me on weekends to build a stage there and really hone my magic craft. And then there was a place downtown called the Caravan of Dreams, which was a jazz club that let me work there during the week at nighttime uh, doing what we call close-up magic. And what kind of spurred your interest at first to want to get involved with magic? Well, I started at six years old because I was fortunate enough to be one of those kids that that uh, once I heard something, I got it. I didn't have to hear it again, and I would wind up getting in a lot of trouble because the teachers would be re-explaining lessons, and I would already have it, so I'd be bored out of my mind. There was no such thing back in my earlier days of, of what they called ac- accelerated learning uh, or special classes that you could go to for higher education. So I had a teacher that introduced me to magic because she knew that no matter how much I did with it, I'd never learn enough to learn it all. So she'd let me do that when I finished my lesson plans. Wow. So you would be in class uh, working on magic tricks while your classmates were working on their math problems? That's exactly right. (laughs) I bet that went over well with some of your classmates. Well, it didn't matter because back then you had no outlet. My classmates didn't. We worked. It was a different environment. The classmates weren't upset because they understood. They were still trying to learn lessons. And those of us that were fortunate enough in the class to get it really fast, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you got to remember in today's environment, kids that have exceptional uh, mental capacities can go into other kinds of classes that lets them take their talents to a level that's commensurate upon their ability. We didn't have that back then. After graduating from TCU, Ron decided to pursue his education further and get certificates in hypnosis. Well, once I got out of school, I actually went on on the road uh, almost immediately from that point, but then a few years later, went back and got my basic and advanced certifications. There's, you don't get a degree in hypnosis. It's an adjunct to any other professional degrees you have, which means you go to school and you do internships and it's get and you, you add that certification onto your uh, credentials. Okay. And how did you decide that you wanted to add hypnosis as part of your act? Well, I initially, I initially was working with a, a guy that did it in, in uh, his self, and I was doing magic, and he was doing hypnosis, and then he found out that I had clinical certifications, and he kind of went, how could you have those certifications and not be using it? 
especially as a performer, because as much as I love the clinical work, you, I, what I've made is exponentially a lot more money. And it's also allowed me to teach clinical when I'm on the road. So but after when I'm not performing during the day, because uh, most of my performances at nighttime, I actually go and do seminars on, on clinical hypnosis at med schools and at nurses conventions and doctors conventions and stuff like that. And so for those of us that aren't very familiar with hypnosis, aside from what we see on stage and in an acts and things like that, what is kind of the medical component of hypnosis that is a real benefit than just the entertainment value? Well, here's two things you need to know. Hypnosis is not like the movies. The first thing you need to understand about the clinical side is that everyone experiences hypnosis because all it is is the ability to get focused and, and motivated in a direction that other things don't distract from. So, for example, we call it hypnosis because of its application. If we were using it as a, any other means, it might be called meditation, progressive relaxation, Lamaze. The mind mentally t uh, uh, t experiences it the same way. In performance, we're using the techniques of stimulating the uh, centers of the brain that are used to having pleasure. So we get the endorphins and adrenaline worked up through the techniques we use. But here's the real kicker. What people do on stage is, there, is in their personality. That's not what hypnosis is. It's the, what, what happens to them, not what they're doing. So hypnosis, does it draw out what's already inside? Is that just kind of a way yeah. that it helps people be more comfortable with who they are? Yeah, well, yeah, basically in a performance environment, if you got a person that's an extrovert that loves to be the life of the party, those are the ones that are going to be in a hypnosis show. If a person's introverted and shy, the hypnosis doesn't change that. It, it takes what's already there and, and brings it to another level. So the people that are really not shy and love to be in front of people, the techniques are designed to stimulate those areas of the brain that make that more fun. And from a clinical side, what are some of the medical uses of hypnosis? I don't believe a lot of people are aware that it can be used for medical use. Everything from basic, from dealing with people dealing with phobias and anxiety. Uh, the basic starting point is helping people with smoking and uh, weight loss. However, I would I always caution people, these places that they can go with big groups that are what I call one-day wonders, are really not very successful because everyone's being introduced by the same technique and everyone's different. So if you plug it into an individual, it's much higher success. So that's why uh, I always encourage people to do it the right way. Clinical is the way to go, not these fly by night seminars. So as you decide, as you finally combine the magician aspect with the hypnosis aspect, what does a typical Ron Diamond show experience look like? Well, the good news is they can. If there's probably a hundred or more uh, videos on YouTube of my show from people all over the world taping it and putting it up online. But the main thing I do is is I have a, a huge show that I've built, complete with lighting and lasers and fog machines. It's like a big Vegas type production, and uh, my specialty is almost exclusively in the fair market. So I do state and county fairs all over the eastern half of the United States. Uh, approximately 640 shows a year, and at this point in my career, I've done over 19,000 performances in the fair and, and, and my career market. So 
it's it's a lot of fun. It's everything you would expect from a, a magic standpoint, from big illusions to audience participation, and right down to the hypnosis where I get 20, 30 people on stage, and we all have a really good time. But I always like people to understand, at least from my standpoint, everything I do is designed to be enjoyable by the, both those on stage and off stage. I don't use embarrassment as a way to entertain. And do people that have been uh, hypnotized or put in a state on stage, do they have any recollection once they come off stage of what, what uh, their experience was? Yeah, because hypnosis is not, there's no such thing in hypnosis as a traditional word we use as trance. A trance is not in the concept that you put somebody to sleep. If they're asleep, they're not going to hear what you're saying. Hypnosis is actually a hyper-awareness, more aware than what you are out of that state because your focus is pinpointed. So when people say they don't remember, what, there's no such thing as not remembering nothing. That, that's a person's what they say to protect themselves from the, their friends uh, ribbing them a lot. What does happen, though, is they get so focused they can't get details right. That's how magic works, too. When I do a trick, a person will always enhance what I do beyond what I actually did because the mind reconstructs it differently. So as the you've done over 19,000 shows over thir- a course of 38 years, are there any that really stick out individually and in some memorable experiences you've had? The best ones for me is I've always had a, a motto in my career, and I've lived by it. And uh, uh, two things that I do, uh, everything I, every time I have a transaction, I always say, and I wished our country would get back to this again, and that is I, everything has to be win-win or no deal. I have to figure out a way that what I get and what you get when I had, I'm dealing with people or groups, everybody has to win or there's another way to go about it. There can't be a loser. I refuse to win at somebody else's expense or them to do me the same way. I figure it out or it's no deal. And so when I perform, my motto has always been in front of a crowd that I believe that the body heals with play, that mind heals with laughter, and that the spirit heals with joy. So the reason I can perform 19,000 shows and still love it is because every bit of that is in every part of my fiber to bring joy, laughter, and play into people's lives. So you're... you're career is also your hobby is what it sounds like it's everything well i've had many other hobbies i've got actually got more hobbies than my wife can handle i'm in i'm into motorcycles and i'm also a pilot and i've also teach uh flying uh all that's been as an aside to what i do because i'm one of those people that once i get into something i want to do more and more and more so i studied graphic design i've done you know I've been an EMT. I worked in the funeral business. I've just I found interest in everything to the point I just want to get into everything. In addition to his hobbies and performing, Ron also has become involved with the John Maxwell Leadership Group. Well, but about uh, seven or eight years ago, I've always have been a speaker, but never to the point that I am now. Uh, John Maxwell came about when I started doing research on the top-rated companies in the world, and since. He's written more books on leadership and has the best uh, sales record of any leadership developer in in history. I decided to go with his uh, school, the John Maxwell University. So I literally went through 1,500 hours of of training in every aspect of leadership, from speaking to management to money management to 
to uh, you name it, uh, especially with the 21 laws of leadership they teach you. Uh, so now, ever since then, I've dedicated part of my time to speaking to Kiwanis and groups and other uh, conventions between my performance on on how to bring people into leadership from the top down. It's it's extremely valuable and wonderful. And with and with all the traveling, speaking, different things you do, when is the last time you had you've had a chance to come back to Fort Worth and, and to TCU's campus? I come every year because actually my one of my big events is in Lubbock, Texas, at the South Plains Fair. So when I get done with the fair, I have about a week between that and my my fairs in the on the East Coast. So on my way through, I come by Fort Worth every single year and and visit old friends and family. In fact, several of professors there at TCU that were my professors, I still visit with them each year. I go because they they've made such an impact on me. And so did you get a chance to visit Fort Worth? How would you say the campus has changed uh, since you first arrived on campus living as a dorm parent and now where it is today? <laughs> Boy, howdy. What a difference 87 to now makes because back then it was just a little campus and now it feels like they own almost the whole community. Um, and it's actually beautiful. The, the footprint that they've done since 87 is just amazing to me. And I know you said you're on the you're on the road about to go to Florida. What are you know what is kind of the, your 2019 schedule look like? What are the tour dates that people can if they're in an area around the country they can see if they can follow you at? Sure. Well, they can actually follow me online, or the or they can go to Facebook. I, I use Facebook more than anything for uh, for for just keeping people on top of my tour and giving photos about my tour. But basically, I start in Florida because Florida is about the only state in the country that has wintertime fairs. So that'll start in the first part of February. I also do lighting design for national acts. So I basically, between shows, will be doing a whole bunch of lighting design for a lot of these bands around the country. So you can catch me in anywhere from Florida to Ohio to Iowa State Fair to Kansas, Texas, uh, South Carolina, you name it. Um, all they got to do if they're anywhere in the area is check out uh, my website. What is your website? They can go to hypnosismagic.com. Okay, hypnosismagic.com. And then they can they can check out my web uh, my Facebook page at Ron L Diamond. If they type that in and they decide they want to be a fan, they can just like it and then uh, I'll friend them and they can keep track of where I'm at and what I'm doing. Well, that's fantastic. The final thing I'll leave you with is this. When you look back at your life as a dorm parent, Disney actor, or Disney dancer, magician, all the different things you've done, what role, um, upon coming to TCU and your future success, what role do you think TCU had in kind of the life you've built for yourself today? Well, I think it's everything because it wasn't until I got around – Here's the thing, people, always, when I talk about TCU, let me cut to the chase here. When I talk about TCU, here's what I say that the privilege of being there did for me that nothing other school I'd ever been to was able to do. It's one of the places that you can go, oh, yeah, it costs a little bit more because it's private, 
But let me tell you, when I got there as an undergraduate and there were nine to 12 students at that time in your in your areas of major and you could spend time with a professor and actually do research as an undergraduate and present papers at natural conventions that normally couldn't be done until you were a graduate student. That was invaluable to me. And the teachers there allowed me to get close enough to them on a regular basis that they gave me the motivation to move my career in the direction it would have never gone if I'd have gone to a school with 50-something thousand kids in it. So glad that TCU was able to form that experience for you. And thank you so much for being such a great ambassador as you go around the country and share your talents with the world. Thank you, my friend, and uh, good luck to all of you, and a big shout-out if they're still there to Lambda Chi Alpha, which was the fraternity I was involved in back then. Thank you to KTCU and student Jake Hook for the assisting and the editing of this episode. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Frog for Life podcast. If you or a friend or family member would like to share your story of your life since graduation, please contact us on social media or leave us a comment on our SoundCloud channel. We look forward to sharing the next story of how horned frogs are changing the world.